why wait, you know, until something happens where that has to happen. So definitely, you know, if you have a passion, if you have something that you know you're good at, then take full advantage of that and share it with the world, honestly, and make money from it. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Vanessa Zami. How are you? Doing well, Matt. Hello, hello. How are you? I am fantastic. It's a beautiful day here in Nova Scotia today. And man, it's when we're recording this, it's actually just right at the like last couple days of 2020. And uh, man, every single person on social media that I've seen the last couple of days, they're like so glad that 2020 is going to be over. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, it's it's just like one more day, right? Like, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't know if it like it's symbolic for some people, though, I think, you know, they're like. 2020 was a tough year and and I know it was for a lot of people and a lot of people had you know maybe they lost relatives or a job or something like that right or clients you know whatever it is but man I I wouldn't let that symbolism of the new year fool anybody (laughs) you know it's just another day and you still gotta be strategic which we're gonna talk about we are we are we are yes we are yes we are so let me read your bio so people know who you are Vanessa Zami as a business expert, keynote speaker, best-selling author dedicated to helping full-time employees transition to entrepreneurship by building their business while they're employed. And she has a consulting company, Your Vision Catalyst, coaches and advises nine-to-fivers on how to build profit-producing, purpose-driven business without overwhelm. And it's not hustling that's bad. It's how you're hustling that they fix. Yes, that is true. I've seen a lot of people with a lot of hustle go nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Yeah. So essentially I focus on the population of people who you are building your business, you know, while you have a day job, while you have the family, all that stuff that you have going on in life. And what ends up happening is that there's a lot of you know, words out there on the street that you have to, you know, quit your job, go all in, burn all the bridges. And I'm very much so the way that I built my company, Your Vision Catalyst, was doing it while I have a day job and in corporate America <laughs> with a nine to five. Uh, so and this was pre-COVID. This is, you know, while we're going to the office, commuting <laughs> three hours a day, <laughs> all that stuff. And so what I do is I teach people efficient and effective strategies to get them moving forward on building a profit producing purpose driven business, even with all the things that life has going on. So when people have like a full-time job and I know I did the same kind of transition myself, but I did it over like a really long time. Most people don't have as much time commitment as I took to do it. (laughs) I mean, just as some background, I mean, I started doing side work in the late nineties And we didn't officially open our business full time until probably 2012. Oh, wow. Okay. So I didn't quit my quote, quit my day job, you know, until 14 years after I started (laughs) my side hustle. Yeah. Well, you made made it through two economic downturns or like what, three or so? That's right. You know, it was so long ago that they didn't even have the word side hustle yet. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. They used to call it moonlighting. Yes. Oh, wait. I actually do remember that. That was a term. And that was like a bad thing. 
right? They were like, oh, you don't want to tell anybody you're moonlighting on your day job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some people it's like, you don't want to tell me you have a side hustle. They're like, ooh, let me not tell my, my corporate job, you know? That's right. I, I think everybody that works, you know, everybody that works for us, contractors, employees, whatever, I'm like, I hope they have a side hustle because that means they got some get up and go. <laughs> Indeed. They have a, kind of like a, it's a plan B, but it's also kind of like a plan A in a sense in that, you know, it's, they're able to, and not only that, but it's also just financial sense, right? I think of it just, you know, when you think about the multiple income streams route and how do you get towards financial freedom for yourself and, you know, just like there are a lot of people who lost their, their jobs during COVID. And it was like, well, so where's the income coming from? Question mark, question mark. And they end up having to sort of by force kind of find something else to get income from. And that's where the side hustle came from. But it's like the earlier you start, you know, why wait until you're fired? Like why wait, you know, until something happens where that has to happen. So definitely, you know, if you have a passion, if you have something that you know you're good at, then take full advantage of that and share with the world, honestly, and make money from it. Well, you know, a lot of people kind of went into the gig economy also, right? And I think it's probably important to delineate between what is a side hustle like I am a freelancer or an entrepreneur versus I do Instacart or something, right? Yes. Because that's not really a, I, I mean, it kind of a side hustle, but it's more like just having a second job. Indeed. And that's why I say purpose-driven business. And that is, yeah, that is why I say I focus on people profit-producing purpose-driven businesses, because I think that's what makes the difference between someone who is like building a business as a side hustle versus someone who's, you know, working for lifts and driving around the corner. And the difference is that with a purpose-driven business, you are actually doing something that's tied to, you know, it will make you wake up earlier so you can get it done before work starts on the day job. Right. That's right. And it will make you, you know, having the day job to fund this other business while you like still have that going on will just make you work harder at the day job. So you'd be, be a better employee, too. <laughs> so it just ends up being a cycle of, you know, when you are working on something that is that I, I also say the question I always have is on a scale of one to ten. How much do you want this with 10 being the highest is what I ask people. And if it's an eight, nine or 10, then you definitely want to make this business happen. But sometimes what ends up happening, and I've had conversations where people will say, they'll sit there and they'll think about it for a while, think about it for a while. And then they say, oh, a five, a five. It was like, oh, I didn't think it was going to be like that. But at the end of the day, the reason why they say that is because it is a five. They, you know, they're trying to do something that they don't want to do. Like there's someone who I spoke to, she was trying to be a coach. She went through the whole coaching certification. She did all these classes. A year later, she's still trying to make the business work. And then I asked her how much she wants this. And she sat there. I thought the phone had gone dead. But she, you know, she was just sitting there thinking. And it was, she was like, oh, it's a five. I don't know how she want to do this. And I was like, there you go. <laughs> like, there, there's your answer, right? Right. And a lot, of, a lot of people get discouraged too, right? You know, if it hasn't been kind of going their way very quickly, which it, which it won't because a business <laughs> is not, not you know, when you're going with it, when you're trying to build a property and business, it, it definitely, you know, doesn't happen tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff is like that. And, you know, I've seen some people start businesses that have kind of like exploded kind of right out of the gate. But a lot of times those are sales driven organizations or sales driven businesses. And the person is really good at sales. Yes. In those cases, I mean, if it's a matter of like, Every time I pick up the phone 10 times, I get one customer and you're the kind of person who's going to pick up the phone 100 times a day. You're going to have a good business, right? Indeed. But if you have the business where 
your customer is is one out of a hundred thousand people, and you got to go through and try and find that needle in a haystack. It's going to be a little tougher uh, learning curve there. It is. It is. Yeah. And then sometimes also what happens is that the businesses that we see do end up having that overnight success, six figures in six days, you know, so to speak, that people bring out there is that a lot of times it was it was work that happened beforehand. There was, you know, three years of all this other stuff that they did. Right. There were five other businesses that they were in before they then pop. Right. But essentially with the right strategies. Right. You can make your business at least work for you and such that you are on the path, right, to being successful, to seeing the success and achieving the goals that you want to. So let's say somebody is working nine to five right now. They're listening to the podcast. They got an idea of a business on the side. What do you think kind of the first step for them to take is? Yes, the first step I would say to this person is, first of all, commend you for having the thought. Yay. Um, awesome. And the first step is to take action. And the second step with terms of the, the action that you actually, you know, take <laughs> is essentially you figure out the three key components of your business. So what I would say, three key components, one, who are you serving? And it's not everyone. What ends up happening is that a lot of new entrepreneurs are saying, I help everyone. Everyone can buy this thing from me. Like it helps everyone. And the thing is, when it comes to, and you probably know that, right? When it comes to marketing, the riches and the niches is what they say, right? And so who are you serving and ensuring that you have an understanding of that? And then what problem do they have? Like what problem do they have? Like what are they saying? What are they thinking? What are they doing? Like what are they complaining about, right? And then how do you help them? What is the solution that you are providing, right? Whether it's an app, some apparel t-shirt or coaching or a podcast, like what is the solution and how does that connect to their problem? And at the end of the day, when you have those three things, that is the perfect sales pitch, honestly. Yeah. I mean, when you go to any kind of business networking group, a lot of times when people kind of first start out, they go to kind of the free networking groups or, you know, chamber of commerce networking group or something that's inexpensive or free, or that goes a visitor a couple times to somewhere. And you're going to hear when you go to one of these groups, somebody's going to stand up and they're going to make the same mistake that you just talked about. And they're going to be like, my product is good for anybody who has skin. <laughs> and you're like, no, not everybody in the United States for starters is going to buy your skin cream who has skin because you know, like it's $50 a bottle. So, I mean, that immediately takes out half the population who couldn't afford it. And then are, are you giving it to children? So if that's a no, then okay, well, so it's an aging skin cream. So, I mean, your teenagers aren't going to buy it, right? Nobody under about 30 is going to buy this thing. So that's already another chunk of the population gone. People over 80, do they give a shit anymore? Probably not. You know, <laughs> so as you slowly chunk out all these questions about your product, You'll find out it's not for everybody who has skin. Indeed. Or my product is everybody needs to be more fit so everybody can take my fitness program. Well, no, they can't. Yeah. And you probably don't want everyone to like when it comes to, you know, even just one can even handle everyone coming to your business. And then two, do you want everyone? Do you want to work with everyone? No. Do you want everyone? You know, let me answer that question right now. You don't <laughs> want to work with everyone. Absolutely <laughs> not. Precisely, precisely. So, yeah, so it ends up being who, the who, the what, and the how, right? Who are you serving? What problem do they have? And how do you help them? And when you understand that, then everything, like the way you market, where you market, when you market, it just becomes, it just flows naturally. And I think a good thing to kind of keep in mind with your business too is 
what is the value proposition, right? Which is kind of what you're describing. So what is the value proposition? What other competitors are in your market or in your marketplace? Like, you know, who else in your area offers this service or product? Or if you're selling online, what other competing products are there? And another good thing to think about also kind of along those same lines is what are the barriers to entry, right? So if you need to have 10 years of experience to do this thing that you're going to do, Joe across the street can't just get up and start doing the same thing, right? Because he doesn't have the experience. But if it's something like mowing lawns, where the barrier to entry is, do you have a lawnmower? Then it's pretty easy, right? So those are things you need to think about uh, when you're starting a business. I actually, you know, Matt, on the, on the competition point and then on the barrier to entry, I will disagree. I will, well, I, I want to not say fully disagree, but I would say I'll add a caveat when it comes to at least the first part when you mentioned the competition in terms of seeing what else is in the market. And I think of it as if you have the right value proposition, then it really doesn't matter what or who else is out there because you can make yourself stand out, right, in whatever niche you choose. However, you want to present the solution and the problem and how it is that your product or your service is showing up to the the who that you're serving. Right. And then it's sort of like there's a pie. You just grab yourself a slice. but You got to figure out the right slice. And then when it comes to the barrier to entry, I would say that is what ends up getting actually harming a lot of new entrepreneurs where you have this great idea and you want to, you want to do it. So but you're like, Oh, I don't have the 10 years of experience. Oh, I don't have this. I don't have this certificate. I don't have this degree. And at the end of the day, everything's online. right? I mean, everything's online. And the thing is that there's someone who does have the 10 years of experience, but that doesn't make them any better than you at the job. Right. Like I have one client where she has a digital marketing consultancy and she, her full-time job is working as a project manager very demanding job. She's also a mother of twins, preschooling and homeschooling during, you know, the COVID stuff and all that jazz. And she's making this consultancy business happen. But she, like her experience is in project management. She doesn't do like, she doesn't have a tech degree or she didn't take like a tech classes or whatever, right? But she just happens for some reason, somehow, she has a knack for design. And so she started designing her own website that people came to her. And then she started designing their website. Then they referred her to other people, right? And so she's having people come into her business and we had a conversation recently where she was talking about, essentially it was, you know, imposter syndrome, right? Where she was like, okay, I'm I, people, I mean, people are paying me for this. They refer me to other people, but should I really be doing this? Because I don't have the, the CS degree, the computer science degree. She's like, I don't have the, you know, typical tech background. She doesn't even work at a tech company, <laughs> like, you know? And so it was very much, you know, for her, it was very much like she has this skill and she doesn't have the typical quote unquote experience that people would expect, but she's really good at it. Well, I, I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I was saying. I'm not saying if there's competition, do not do a business. I'm saying you need to be aware of the competitors in the marketplace. You also need to be aware of the barriers to entry for your business because you need to be able to have a product market fit. Right. Oh, indeed. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. And product market fit is super important because that is a a really simple way to do it. Uh, Actually, I learned this from my dad a long time ago, and he's a professor of corporate strategy, retired now. But if you draw a graph, right, you just draw the one line down, the one line across and one side is quality and one side's price. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to draw a diagonal line up the middle, 
you need to fit somewhere on that line in the middle. Because if your quality is too high and your price is too low, then you're going to go broke. Yep. If your price is too high and your quality is too low, then your customers are going to leave and never refer anybody to you and you're going to go broke. Yep. But you should also rate all your competitors on that line and see where what's missing. Right. So maybe there's if you take like the lawn maintenance kind of idea, because it's a simple business, everybody pretty much understands. Right. If it's a kid with a lawnmower, right, it's low quality, low price. Right. He's not going to trim your hedges. He's not going to, you know. Right. But if it's a lawn maintenance company, then it's going to be a little bit more expensive. But then they're going to do all the extra things. Right. And so you can look at that and say, where does my product or service fit by quality and by price? And that gives you your product market fit. And like you said, it doesn't matter if there's competition because you need to, to check out your marketplace and see the place that I live right now. There is about three building contractors, but there's enough work for about 20. So if a fourth building contractor came in, it's not even going to make a dent in the amount of work that's available. Right. But if you have the opposite problem, you know, you decide you're going to start a handyman business. And there's 500 handymen in your city and there's only enough work for 100. You got a problem. But by the way, if anyone out there does start a handyman company, just please do it. And uh, there's so few people <laughs> doing that job as someone who had to find one. Man, it, it was a serious problem. I wish if you're listening and you're in the Portland metro area, start a handyman business. <laughs> there's nobody there. And uh, luckily I found someone. And uh, the only reason I got to use our handyman is because he was being certified to become a plumber, but he couldn't take the test because of COVID, they weren't doing the tests. So he's trying to like make ends meet until he becomes a certified plumber. <laughs> so he'd be, he was my handyman until I sold my house. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, there's a point. I don't know if you have a shortage of handyman people where you are. I don't think so. No, there's like a lot. <laughs> There are a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of hand. I mean, there are a lot of like, I think it's part of proportion to the amount of, you know, buildings that are around. I was going to say, I don't know if handyman is like a sexist term nowadays kind of thing. But before that, I used to have these two ladies that lived in my neighborhood and they had a handyman business and they were great. And they like fixed our fence and they painted all a bunch of shit for us and like got everything done. And it was really reasonable. It was fantastic. And then they moved and I was like, no, because I know I'm never going to find anybody again. And now you're in Nova Scotia. <laughs> That's right. Now I'm in Nova Scotia and everybody's a handyman. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yes, yes, yes. I love it. I love it. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of the, the gap, product market fit, it's all about like, what is the gap, right? What is the gap and how do you fit in? And the gap could be my price quality. It could be, and that's typically where most of the gaps are, so. You know what? You will be amazed when you start to analyze the market, which is super easy. Like I said, just Google Whatever the thing is that you want to do or you're thinking about doing, see who the competitors are locally, put them all down, write them out, find out what their price is and, and, and what kind of service they have. You can look at their reviews and stuff. You can usually get pricing off their website or just call them. Yeah, call. <laughs> pretend to be a customer. <laughs> right. Yeah. We used to call it mystery shopping when I did commission sales like 30 years ago. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. It still happens. Yeah. I mean, we I used to do like high pressure commission electronic sales. And so... We would just call all the competitors and get all the pricing. You know, you'd have to like disguise your voice because after a while they get to know who you are and they know that you're like shopping them. And so you're, you'd have to be like, hi, this is Jim. I was looking for that 47 inch Mitsubishi TV. 
Do you guys still have it for nine ninety nine? Do you have more than two in stock? <laughs> but anyway, the reason for that is when your customer comes in and they sell, I saw this over at blah blah electronics for eight ninety seven. You could be like, Well, I just called them and they said they got two and they're nine ninety nine. <laughs> but I got one for, for nine fifty in the back if you want it right now. Yep. And these online this online digital space, it's kind of just like, you know, most of the stuff is online. <laughs> or you can just find it via an ad somewhere. Just look for an ad that they have going on and you'll see what it's about. Well, there is a huge shift right now in from online, like I would say like global online marketplace to localized online marketplaces. And I think you're going to see more of this coming in 2021. My prediction, it's going to be 2021 when this is out, but for like further into 2021, I think you're going to see a lot of mini Amazons pop up that are like businesses that sell in, say, like the Chicago metro area. This is the Chicago metro area Amazon type business, right? Interesting. Okay. I know there are a lot of e-com. There's a lot of people like really going into e-com, but okay. An interesting perspective. I didn't think that it was going to be more like a low class, so to speak, online marketplace. So I think there's going to be a lot of that stuff. I think there's going to be a lot of segmented markets, too talking about the 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 business with like the lawn maintenance and stuff i interviewed the guy who owns those green guys uh a few months ago and they're an online marketplace to find someone to do lawn maintenance ah yes yes yes. so i think there's going to be kind of niche marketplaces for things like that and i also think there's going to be a really big there's going to be a big opening for delivery and home delivery type services? I think definitely, yeah, home home delivery. I think it's one of those, you know, one, people are just spending more time at home. So they're just that. It's a lot of demand for it. But I think also because, you know, it's just, you know, you can't quite. <laughs> right. Well, I think smaller independent ones is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, having, having Whole Foods uh, on Amazon deliver your groceries is fantastic if you live near a Whole Foods, right? But... 30% of the United States population doesn't. So it might be, you know, Bob's Food Mark or, you know, Zammy's Grocery Store at the end of the street, right? But if somebody comes in and they're like, well, we can be the Instacart slash Uber Eats of, you know, our little town, then there's a business there, right? That somebody can do. They can do it profitably and they can do it cheaper than somebody like Instacart or Uber Eats can do it for, right? Yeah, which means like less shipping, which that means, you know, <laughs> someone like, oh, okay. Right, Grubhub or something like that, right? I mean, some of them are looking at, I mean, it's 30% in some cases to order food from a restaurant. No restaurant's going to keep doing that forever. They'll go broke, right? Most restaurants don't even have a 30% margin. That is true. And they're at half capacity and most of their margin they make on drinks. And you can't sell drinks for most cities and stuff by delivery. So, I mean, you've got problems with these business models and that's got to turn around. Either they're all going to go broke, which is what's happening right now, or they're going to somehow find ways to change the business model to survive. And I think that there is a million side hustle jobs that, you know, people can be doing that are going to fix these problems. Yeah. I mean, even thinking about it from the, the customer perspective, it's like you you see the price is $12. And then by the time you click to check out, it's like 24 bucks. And you're like, wait a second, wait a second with shipping and fees and all that stuff. So definitely opportunity there. Definitely opportunity there. Yeah. And then there's also, I mean, other side hustles that, that you know, still exist to this day. People doing surveys like customer, customer research and just ensuring that you get 
know, it's more like the side help. If, you, if you're sort of thinking to yourself, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I want to do my purpose-driven business, but I don't have the capital right now. And so in your mind, you're like, okay, how do I just get a little bit, a little bit and save up and then, you know, do all that jazz. I've seen people start all kinds of businesses that started with nothing. And, you know, some of them made some pretty big businesses. You know what else I think is kind of an up and comer is there's a lot of kind of like smart electronics coming out. Yeah, like an Amazon oven or like a, a smart grill is a thing now, right? So your smart grill is like a barbecue, but it's got sensors in it. So you can turn the temperature up or down from inside by your phone. Or you can say, I'm going to cook this. And you put the thermometer in it and your phone tells you how long it's going to go for. And it's automatically going to change the temperature. And it'll it'll be like, beep, you got to come turn this thing over. So there's all kinds of smart electronics and things coming out. And I think there's going to be a need for people to show people how to use this stuff. Or, you know, write content around that. There's also, I think there's going to be accessories that go with all these kinds of things. Would you suggest someone to be the one, okay, making that product, selling that product, or essentially working somewhat on the exterior, like what you mentioned in terms of, you know, helping other people use it, all that. You know, I think that there's, there's in all of those cases, I think, except maybe the sales end, you know, in some cases, if it's Traeger or Amazon, I mean, you're not really going to compete with them, but that doesn't mean you can't do affiliate marketing, right? So something that would be a great side business to start would be if you know how to work all the things like the fancy cooking devices, you know, you could do a YouTube channel, you could do content and blogging and medium articles and all these kind of things about how to get your Amazon oven to cook the best butter chicken or whatever, right? And then if somebody is reading that and they don't have one, you put a link to it on Amazon, you get, you know, three, four percent of a two thousand dollar product. That's solid income right there, right? If you do that a thousand times. And once your website's on the internet, a thousand times for somebody to do something is not a big deal anymore. That is true. That is true. You just gotta be, and I think that comes to the point of a key important part of when it comes to your marketing strategy, you gotta be consistent. And I think that's where some entrepreneurs ended up failing is that, you know, they they start the YouTube or they they start the lawn maintenance, you know, company and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm so excited, I got this. And then they do two videos and that's it. Or they do <laughs> you know, they do they do five videos, they say, Oh, no one's listening, no one's watching. They do, you know, ten podcast episodes, no one's listening, no one's watching, and then they stop, you know, and sort of it comes in the consistency. That's what that's how you tell the difference between someone who's really making their business happen versus someone who's just, you know, little little pop up to the situation. Is that consistency? So yeah. I'll tell you who listened to our first ten podcasts. <laughs> The six people that were interviewed <laughs> and, you know, like our friends and family. That's how many people listen to them. That's great. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> That's right. Now we're in the top 20, 25% of podcasts in the world, which is amazing, by the way. I don't even know how that happened. You guys who are listening right now, I know we have some of, you know, the smartest and most attractive listeners there are of any podcast, but you guys are doing a good job. Tell two friends. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so one more question before we go. What do you think are some businesses for like, OK, let me have two questions, by the way. So the first one is if somebody is just trying to do, you know, a few hours here and there of work, what do you think kind of the best side hustle type stuff for them to get into is? And I guess my kind of follow up question to that would be, what do you think some of the best businesses are to get started in right now? 
I would say that for the person who is, you know, just have, you know, they're kind of just like, okay, I'm on the side. I can do some stuff. I would say a great business, if you do have the space and capacity, is essentially real estate, but in the sense of renting out a space in your home, right? Like, do you have a room to rent out? Like, you know, you may not be traveling. <laughs> you may not be going anywhere, but there are people who are still, you know, looking for a place, looking for, you know, some place to hang out where maybe they're doing visiting friends or insurance or whatever, maybe that ended up happening to them. And so if you can, you know, renting out your current space in some sort of fashion, whether you may, maybe you could even think of it renting out for an office, renting it out for events, all that other stuff. So that's I would say that's like a great opportunity to use your existing resources. And then, you know, something else you can also do is, I would say dog, dog sitting, dog walking, so to speak, oh, pet, pets care, so to speak, if that makes sense. Because um, especially since there are a lot of people who, you know, now they have their, their job, they got the family, all that stuff, but they need their pets to be taken care of, you know? And I know a lot of people, I, had, I know one person where she was like, yeah, we're looking for a dog around this, but we have to go, now we have to fly all the way to Pennsylvania to get a dog. And so... Literally. So, you know, people are getting, are getting pets. So somewhere around the pet space is just like a good thing that you can do if you just have, you know, something out of there. Another thing as well, too, let's say you're a good writer. For a talented writer, you know, you can get into essentially like freelance writing via, you know, Upwork or there's some pro bloggers, another thing. And there's some bunch of other sites, too, where you can get, you know, a couple, couple few dollars or a couple hundred dollars per article if you're a good writer. And if you're a good writer, it doesn't take you that long to do it. So and so that's sort of just like opportunities there. And then I would say and especially but if you know that, you know, there is something else that you're called to. If you're saying to yourself, you know, I've always wanted to do X, Y, Z, right? I've always wanted to have my own fashion line. I've always wanted to, you know, inspire and motivate the people around me to change their lives, whatever it may be, then ensure that you at least get started in that in some way, right? I mean, at the time that Matt and I are connecting, you have two days left of 2020, but, you know, at the time that you're listening to this, it'll be somewhat in 2021. And hey, don't let don't let another day go by, right? Whenever you're listening to this to not move forward and step forward into what it is that you want to do. That's true. You know what? One thing that we do well at our company that has served us really well is when we make a decision, that's it. Like we start, you know, when we have a meeting, my business partner and I have a meeting and we say, OK, this is what we think is going to happen. You know, this is what's coming up. We think this is kind of a good angle for our company to kind of head that direction. And then we hang up from that meeting and I'm like rewriting our website like a minute later. We don't have five more meetings. We don't F around for we, we don't like, oh, let's go put some time on the schedule when we're going to, you know, no, we just like start. Yeah, exactly. You have to be OK with building the car while you're driving it. That is true. Get the wheels on. But, you know, you, you don't have to have the shiny paint coat of paint on your business before you can start making money. Yeah, like if you keep talking about it, if you keep saying to yourself, oh, I'm just going to, you know, think about it. I'll write it down. You just keep writing and writing. It's, it's not going to, you know, all of a sudden come out the page unless you do something with what it is that you wrote down. So, you know, if, whether whatever it is, just gets going on it. If you're, you know, even if you're looking at to teach stuff, listen, courses are it's a multi-billion dollar industry is coming into. So, you know, if you want to teach people something, then start an online course, put it on some platform and, you know, keep on doing it and you will get consistency and you will get people following who need to. So, right. I mean, our company, we sell courses. We have also, I think we have nine free trainings now on different stuff about digital marketing. I also give my books away for free now, but you can also buy them on Amazon if you want like a, like a paper copy. 
I don't know if we have hardbacks anymore. <laughs> I think we just have the soft, you know. But yeah, so I wanted to mention a couple of things quick that you had kind of touched on. One of them was in episode 131 of the podcast, we interviewed Helen Tanetti and her business. They travel around her and her husband all over, at least right now they're in the UK still, which is where they're from. But they've been traveling all over Europe and they were about to start traveling North America. And they do pet sitting is the way that they get places to stay for travel. Look at that. <laughs> so they run their business from a couple laptops wherever in the world they are. And then they do free pet sitting so that they can stay at people's houses. And they just travel around the world like all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like I was interviewing her and I'm like, are you at someone else's house right now? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, they just, that's what they do. Right. I've not heard that business models. You see people just coming up with stuff. It's amazing. Right. It's just, it's so much. Yeah. It's just, I mean, they have like a little home base kind of apartment or something, right. Condo or something. And, and the rest of the time they just travel around for free. Right. Just, I mean, they got to pay to get there, but for the most part, you know, that's that's a good way to see the world. You had mentioned writing for money. Medium is a good option for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Medium. We make, you know, we make a few bucks every month on Medium from our articles. And it's funny because I was like, I'm blogging on my own website all the time. And I was like, I'm just going to move some of it over to Medium. And then, you know, they started sending me money. So this is a good deal, right? Now I'm writing the same amount I used to, except somebody's paying me for half of it. Yeah, and, I don't have my own blog on my site. I just like either guest posts on other people's, you know, blogs or, you know, having, you know, it's one of those things where it's still technically copyright. So either way, so it's fine. <laughs> like, it's all good. And there's, I mean, you can have profitable newsletters now. There's things like Twitch. There's all kinds of places where you can have kind of extra creative content for money, right? A lot of YouTubers, they'll have a, a Twitch account or they'll have, you know, some other form of, of monetized behind the scenes videos or extra length videos. Or maybe somebody is like an affiliate teaching people how to do. Yeah. Bonus footage, you know, all that kind of stuff. Advanced stuff. Maybe they teach the basics on YouTube or something and the advanced stuff you have to pay for. You can also monetize that through courses. You can go to uh, hookseo.com and click on training if you want to see our courses. We do Inbox Mastery as our, our kind of flagship course about email marketing. But the other thing that you had touched on kind of briefly there on courses was like the course platforms. Man, there is so much course content out there of like, there's a million people out there saying, here's how you can make a million dollars with courses. But the only thing that they're making a million dollars with is teaching people how to make a million dollars teaching <laughs> people to make courses, right? It's like a pyramid scheme, but they're already at the top. It is. Yeah. In a sense, it is. It is. It is indeed. Don't trust those people on those videos. They are full of shit. Okay. Well, the, the thing is that doing the doing the course, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a business in that like once you have the course, you still had to sell it and you still had to market it. And you still have to, you still have to get people to know about it and you still had to like get people to then buy into it. Like one of my clients I have now 
where we're trying to get her to like sell her course. And it's, you know, you still have to do the marketing. You still have to literally, and for her, I tell her, and if anyone's thinking about doing a course, I tell her, don't finish the entire course. Do like one part of the course, <laughs> you know, and sell with that. And then you build it up as you go along. So you don't like waste all the time and all this energy. And yeah, but it's, yeah, you're right. Yeah. If, if you get somebody on, if their video starts out or their webinar, or whatever it is that you're watching, if it starts out like, here's this college student made $87,000 in three days from their dorm room, like just shut it off. Like the, the rest of everything that person is going to say is worthless. Find somebody, you know, like Vanessa, who can help you, who understands it, who's been through the process before. I've had many successful courses and many unsuccessful courses. <laughs> we pump out material like courses and, and lead magnets and things like that. If you don't know what a lead magnet is, that is like if you have some kind of gated content where you go in and the gate in quotes it's like a freebie. Yeah, like you put in your email to subscribe and then they'll send you whatever the freebie thing is. You know, most people have one or two of those for their course. You know, we're going all out. We're going to make 50. Awesome. And see how that works, right? Things be working pretty good, though. I mean, we're going up about 30 email subscribers a week. Awesome. So we only have 12 done so far. And we have a market at any of them. I use a business boot camp. That's what I use for my freebie. <laughs> I do a boot camp. Nice. But yeah. We were thinking of doing a boot camp. We just kind of got, you know, I mean, too many things to do, right? You know, maybe we'll do a summit or something. You know, the online summits and seminars and all that kind of stuff are pretty good. We use Kajabi for our course delivery, which is a little bit expensive compared to some of the other course building software out there. But I really like that everything's kind of contained in one space. You know, so we keep that separate from our, our other business. Like, I mean, we could write course delivery software, but we have, we have a company that could do that. But we wanted to separate it from the business in case the course business takes off so much that we want to sell it or we want to sell the other part of our business or something. So, you know, you can delineate your, your lines of business that way. What do you think about small businesses like Side Hustles Incorporating? And that kind of thing. Do you think that I, I like the idea of make over $600, which I think is the U.S. limit before you have to pay tax? Yeah, you know, the 1099 thing. I think, I think I would add that, that, what that limit is. But I would say that when it comes to, you know, I would say not a legal advisor, not a licensed legal advisor, consultant, <laughs> you're a professional legal advisor. This is not legal or medical advice, people. But, um, yes, but essentially I would say, you know, if you are like, if you're doing like a, a side hustle in the sense of like, oh, Lyft or delivery person, like then you're a contractor, that's fine. Sole proprietor, you know, et cetera. But I would say if you are actually building something that, you know, you're thinking into making it like Hook CEO or your business catalyst, you're thinking that it's going to be, you know, something that's going to churn multiple income streams for like some number of years and you want it to be something small that becomes big, then you might as well LLC or incorporate right now and at least get those, you know, sort of tax benefits, so to speak, from the expense perspective, so... Yeah, I kind of like the Noah Kagan kind of way around it, it which is uh, Noah Kagan started a company called AppSumo. He was also the 25th Facebook employee and he got fired, which is interesting because he wrote a book called How I Lost a Billion Dollars. Ah, yeah, yeah. And that's how much his stock options would have been worth if he kept his job at Facebook. But anyways, he's, he's doing okay. He's, I mean, AppSumo is probably worth $30 million anyway, but... He is like an, an expert in like advice on how to make your first dollar, right? He's not going to tell you how to set up your company or what company to start or any of that stuff. But he's like good on like how to like sell to your own backyard kind of thing. And 
I wouldn't do any of the setup of your company and, you know, unless it's something that you need legally until you've made some money. Right. I don't think you should incorporate any of that kind of stuff until you've made some money and tested it. Someone who is not a relative has paid you right for this thing. Then you have a viable business, right? You can say, okay, well, I've, I've made some money. There might be something here. Maybe I can invest some money into it. What you don't want to do is be one of these people who are investors or inventors or, you know, they have an idea for an app or whatever, and they spend twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 before they've made a single dollar and then find out that nobody wants your thing. And I think that's part of like when I was talking about, you know, you build like one module of the course before you build everything else, right? It's like having the pre-launch set your saves. And, you know, I think I think it's great that he does teach about, you know, that first dollar because one, you know, getting someone to pay you in general, that's not like your employer that like builds confidence in so many people, right? Even if it is a dollar. And then, however, though, in thinking about, you know, how do you ensure that your business is actually a viable thing and you do have the product market fit like we talked about earlier in the episode, right? And ensuring that you do have the price quality, it's, you know, do people want it, right? And there are different ways like validation tests or surveys, you know, where you can do that too. But even just the idea of, you know, getting someone to pay you for it can make a big difference and you have a viable option. Whatever that amount of money that you get paid is, take a dollar of it and put it in a little frame and hang it on your wall. And you can look at it every day and be like, that's the first dollar I made. Indeed. So confidence building. You know, kind of funny story. The reason that I I came up with that about putting your first dollar in a frame, putting it on the wall was I had a, a friend of mine had a band and they got some play on the radio and they got their first like radio commission check, right? For a royalty check for being on the radio. And it was for like 48 cents or something. And they framed it and put it on the wall in like their room where they're in the, the rehearsal area or rehearsal space. And it was brilliant, right? Because then they're like, oh, well, if I could do this, then, you know, what's what's to stop us from making a million dollars? And it turns out the answer to that is getting along with each other. <laughs> 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 that's that's where most most bands go wrong. So there's a for you musicians out there, try to get along with each other. That's what happens. Vanessa, thank you so much for being on the show today. If somebody wants to get a hold of you and find out more about, you know, kind of getting their side hustle rolling, how would they reach out to you? Yes. Well, I do offer free business boot camps, skyrocket your side business. I do that privately in my community of, well, at the time that we're recording, it's over 600 plus ambitious purpose-led solopreneurs. So if you're interested in joining, you're welcome to join us at bootcamp.vzamy.com. So bootcamp.vzamy.com. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in there and chatting soon. Perfect. And we'll have that in the show notes, too. Um, that's the thing below your you know, podcast that nobody reads. And or you can get them at hookseo.com slash podcast. Again, Vanessa, thank you so much for being on the show today and have a great new year. And uh, all of you, I hope that January turned out awesome since we're not in it yet, but it'll be over by the time you're listening to it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Happy New Year and a beautiful, wonderful, blessed 2021 to everyone. Perfect. I mean, it looks like it's going to be better. So fingers crossed. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. 
Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.